Um, if we would, could we have our special 
ushers come forward and collect offering this morning. Um, and are we having children's church this morning? If so, yes, we can dismiss uh, for children's church as well. Good morning. I've asked Aiden Fisher. I've asked Aiden Fisher to come forward and, and read scripture for us this morning. And uh, 
our Sunday school class, Aiden uh, is usually the guy who reads last. And so, um, as I normally do in Sunday school, we read a chapter every Sunday. And um, at the end of Sunday school, when it usually becomes Aiden's term, uh, turn, I usually say the same thing, and I'll say it today. Aiden, bring it home. Okay. If you will rise now for the reading of Scripture. I'll be reading from Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with the fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. Sorry. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no, and no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. Thank you, Aiden. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity that we have to gather together uh, in your house of worship. Uh, we thank you for uh, these young people that have volunteered to, uh, to step up um, and, to, and to be a part of this service as well. And Lord, we just pray your blessing on the reading of the word. Uh, we pray your blessing on our time of study today. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Pastor Steve asked if I would uh, fill in and kind of gave us um, an area in which he would uh, like for us to be uh, during the time in which he was gone. And um, one of the goals in our Sunday school class is for us to step up. And so we've talked about that a lot um, over the course of this year. And so um, I ask for volunteers today to, to help out in stepping up um, with our service. And so uh, hopefully you were greeted by one of the Sunday school um, one of the Sunday school class uh, when you came in, uh, we had ushers. Uh, the special music was probably a decent representation of the breadth of the class in terms of we run from about 12 to almost 19 years of age in that class. And, um, and we're a formidable group. Uh, there were 26 of them. There were 26 of them there today. So um, it's a good sized class. And I would say um, if you ever want to come by, come. Um, we, uh, we study scripture. Um, um, in an expeditional fashion, and so, or an expository fashion, and so we will uh, work through a book of the Bible, um, and we'll work through a chapter each week. And so, um, come by, visit us. If you've got a a young one that's in that class, come by and sit in sometime. We would love to have you, and um, it would be our honor to to have you there. So, uh, that said, we're going to be in Matthew 13 today. And we're in the parable of the tares or the parable of the weeds. So we're going to be in Matthew 13 and we're going to be 24 through 30 and we're also going to be 36 through 43. Matthew 13, 24 through 30 and 36 through 43. There in verse 24 it says, He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. 
But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So then the plants came up and bore grain. Then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house called and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time I will tell the reapers, Gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be, ba- to be burned. But gather the wheat into my barn. Verse 36. Then he left the crowds and went into the house. And his disciples came to him saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the, harvest is the close of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so it will be at the close of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out, out of the, his kingdom all cause of sin and all lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In the place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears, let him hear. The parable of the weeds, or the parable of the talons, talons, the parable of the tares, I'm sorry, I think I've said that more than once now already. Um, in Matthew 13, we've got seven parables uh, that are given to us, and all seven parables are about the kingdom, uh, to give the disciples a glimpse as to the kingdom. Uh, Ryan had last week for us uh, the parable of the sower, and really, Jesus in both of these parables is really trying to um, help the disciples rethink what it is they thought the kingdom was going to be like. In the parable of the sower, um, the thought was that many of the Jews and Gentiles um, would just accept Christ. And instead, Jesus is letting them know that many will reject him. Today, in the parable of the tares or the parable of the weeds, we get a glimpse of the earthly kingdom will be mixed in character. Many of them, as we saw or heard Aiden read earlier, had this preconceived notion that when the Messiah came, that all would be great, that all would turn to him, that he would be triumphant, that he would, as John the Baptist in, uh, I think it was in Matthew 3, um, said that there's an axe at the root. Um, John the Baptist was going through and saying, be ready. Because he's going to purify the land. And what Jesus is saying is, recognize that this earthly kingdom is going to be mixed in character. There will be wheat and there will be weeds. And he's working on correcting that that opinion that they have. There will not be this purity on earth. A couple similarities that I want you to see uh, between the two parables uh, that we've got, uh, the one that Ryan had last week and the one this week, and I just made a few notes here. Um, I want you to recognize that in the sower, 
parable of the sower and the parable of the tares, both of them, we have a sower. Both of them, we have a field. Both of them, we have seed. Both of them, we have a crop or yield. And in both of them, we have an evil one. Some differences, uh, if you're making notes. In the parable of the sower, all seed is good. In the parable of the tares, there's some wheat and there's some weed. In the parable of the sower, the focus is on the soils. And in the parable of the tares, take a look, if you will, at verse 30. And the focus is on verse 30. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. The focus is on the harvest. We don't like to be patient. The disciples didn't want to be patient either. They wanted a Messiah that would start his earthly kingdom and it would be like a heavenly kingdom. They wanted to be perfect. They wanted to be pure, a righteous expression of God's kingdom on earth. Our lesson today tells us to go and to build up the wheat. It tells us you're not a harvester. We like to complain. We like to pass blame. We like to gossip about it. Some people just like to watch Fox News and say, yes, see, that's all the problems in the world. And then the next hour, see it again. The next hour, see it again, see it again, see it again. Many of us like to just rant on Facebook. But I want you to recognize in this parable, one of the things that we're to do is to build up the wheat. Not just be complainers. Recognize we're not harvesters. But we have a job to build up the wheat. If we look at this parable, Jesus compares the kingdom of heaven to a field planted with good seed. And then, while all the people that were planting are sleeping, someone comes in and overseeds this field with weeds. And to some degree, the first time I read this, I think, this is crazy. When does this happen? I don't know of anybody that, I don't know of any farmer that's ever said, well, you know, I planted and then I came along and somebody got out there, 700 row planter and went out in the middle of the night and replanted my field with weeds. But in this case, we've got a feed that field that's replanted with not only weeds, but poisonous weeds. And weeds that look just like the wheat. Not exactly, but close. So who does this? In the Bible, today it tells us this is the work of the evil one. Jesus makes his point. This is deliberate. It's extreme, it's premeditated, and just as we see in John 10.10, that this is a plan to destroy, 
to steal and kill and destroy is the work of the devil. If you drive by my house, the field in front of my house looks like this. It looks like it's the work of the devil. Um, uh, many moons ago, uh, with great intention, uh, planted a pasture mix that included Timothy and red clover and white clover and just all kinds of good stuff. Um, today it's a weedy mess. And um, I thought it was because I didn't do things at the right time or have the right pH level or those kinds of things. And I think after, after studying for the last couple of weeks on this, I think it was just the work of the devil. I think it got overseeded uh, while I was sleeping one night, and that's why I have what I have. And so, um, so if you need a good object lesson, drive by my house. Uh, you can walk around out in the field and you can point out the weeds. I don't know if any of them are poisonous or not, uh, but you can eat some of them and let me know um, if that's something that you need to do. Um, but I also, I think in the uh, notice that came out on Thursday, I ask you to bring a coin with you. Um, and so um, if you happen to have brought a quarter or a dime with you, uh, it works for a half dollar and a dollar too, but I just thought those were probably a little less rare for somebody to bring with them. So um, I've got a picture of a coin uh, that's going to pop up here at any moment. And it's a little different than probably your quarter or your dime. But just a little bit of a history lesson, and I've, I've used this as an example before, but you've got a coin in your hand, I've got a coin up on the screen, and I'm going to introduce you to a coin that was probably around in Jesus' time. Uh, this coin was supposedly minted um, in about 12 B.C. And so I introduce you to Marcus Agrippa, Marcus was the son-in-law of a guy by the name of Gaius Julius Caesar Octavius. Um, he is also the guy that we call Caesar Augustus. Um, and so um, Gaius Julius Caesar gave himself the name Augustus, which means venerable or great. And so he decided he would just add that to his title. Um, and so uh, we're going to move into August here before too long, and you also get the month of August from him. But the man that's on the coin is Marcus Agrippa. Marcus was his son-in-law, and Marcus was the man who created the city of marble in Rome. He's the one that created the Pantheon. He's the one that created the bathhouses. He's the one that created indoor plumbing inside much of the city. Um, his goal was to make the highest quality public service city in the world. And so I give you a coin up here on the screen that they're going to make all, of the, they're going to make a city of marble and they can't make a round coin. Seems strange, doesn't it? You have a round coin maybe in your fingertips right now. But what I want you to recognize is this coin was made by one of the most formidable nations in the world. They, made, they had great military might. They had great weaponry. They made round coins. But what you have is a coin that's what they call a clipped coin. You have a, a coin where people have taken cutters, if you will, and cut part of the coin off. These coins were made of precious metal. And so you take a little bit off of enough coins, and you've got another coin, right? 
The interesting thing about this is, is the general public didn't have the tools necessarily to clip the coin. These coins were clipped by the government. Government figured out that to have all of this public service, you needed to have money. They also figured out you could only tax the general public so far, and then, manner of speaking, heads roll. People revolt. So what the government started doing was clipping the coins. Started taking a little bit off of the coins. And then they could melt that down, make more coins, you have more money, you can buy more things. First instance of what we call inflation. But what I want you to recognize from this is not a lesson in inflation, but I want you to recognize a lesson in something being an imposter. The reason it was a cause for inflation was because people began to realize that this coin isn't worth what it's supposed to be worth. If you have a quarter or a dime in your hand, these coins, many of you may remember, before 1965 were made of what? Silver. These were silver coins. They're clad now. If any of you brought a 1964 or before quarter, let me know. I'll trade you. Um, even, even. Um, but these coins were silver coins. Same with a half dollar and a dollar. One of the things your government did was it put on the edge of that coin what they call reading. And so if you rub it with your fingernail, you can feel the little ridges around your dime or your quarter or your half dollar or your dollar. The reading, and that's R-E-E-D-I-N-G. And they did that to protect themselves from whom? Themselves. And so your quarter, if it was still silver, everybody could recognize was a true quarter. What happened during this time was people would say, well, it used to be worth one, this loaf of bread or whatever it may be. Now I need two to pay for that loaf of bread because it doesn't weigh what it's supposed to weigh. In our parable today, similar situation. We've got wheat that is growing and it's growing in a field and in that field, as the plants are coming up, the plants tend to look a lot alike. Do I have all wheat or do I have weeds in there also? And about the time it's too late, they recognize they have tares in their field. Any of you in here plant sweet corn or a few of you? The problem I have with sweet corn is when you plant it, it looks just like grass for about two weeks. And I don't know whether I've got a nice little piece of grass that's growing or I've got sweet corn. And there's a point in time in which I can get rid of the grass, I can weed it and still have my corn, but if I wait too late, when I pull that grass out, I'll pull the corn out with it. And we see that here in our parable today. But what I want you to recognize in this parable that I think sometimes gets lost is the workers, they did recognize the weeds. This isn't a case of 
everything looks the same and we don't know who is a Christian and who isn't. This isn't a case of we know who or what is wheat and what isn't. Do you know your weeds? Do you know bindweed? It's a favorite at my house. We plant it, actually. It's called morning glory, um, and so we have lots of it. Um, do you know lamb's quarter? Do you know pigweed? Do you know crabgrass? Do you know chickweed? Dandelion, you know that one? I was told years ago if you pronounce it as dandelion, it sounds a lot better. I have a lot of nutsedge. But if I'm a gardener or a farmer, I need to know what my weeds are. I need to know how to recognize them. We need to know what is of the kingdom. Did the servants recognize the weeds? Absolutely. We see here in verse 26, if you're looking at your Bible, it says, So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then do we have weeds? They recognize that there were weeds. We've got to recognize the weeds as well. Verse 29, though, says in his answer, Should we gather them up? No. Lest in the gathering of the weeds, you root up the wheat along with them. Do we pull up the weeds? No. Do we root out the sons of darkness? No. Do we have a license for jihad? No. You are a sower in this parable. He says, I will send the reapers. That's not your job. We see many times Paul, Peter, Jesus saying that we will have weeds among us. We will have the tares. 1 John 2, 3 and 4 says, Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Remember, the workers could tell the difference between the wheat and the tares. So how does this apply to the church? If the field is the world, how does this apply to the church? Take a look at verse 25. It says, But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. The weeds were sowed among the wheat. They were intertwined in the wheat. If the wheat is also the sons of the kingdom, the visible and invisible church, the tares are then among them in the visible church. The weeds, the sons of the evil one, if we want to be even more explicit, are intertwined. We can't hope to think that it's just in the world, but also in the church. Come across to Jesus' explanation in verse 41. 
It says, The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all cause of sin and all lawbreakers. So just to hit that home a little further, Jesus in his explanation doesn't say to gather out of the world or to gather out of the field. He says to gather out of his kingdom, his church. How many of you have had someone that you've talked to about church say to you something that included the word hypocrite? You need to come to church. I'd like to invite you to church. And they say, well, church is full of hypocrites. By a show of hands, had that explanation one way or another. And I think our tendency is to say, well, you know, what's one more? You know? But I want you to recognize that in our parable today, that's not the answer. Augustine said that the church is a hospital for sick sinners. So here's an odd twist for us today. Jesus says in this parable, there will be tares in the church. There will be weeds. Our response to people, if they say, the church is full of hypocrites. It's proof of the gospel. Peter, Paul, Jesus said it was going to be this way. Is it what the disciples wanted? No. Is it what we want? No. but we see it time and time again in the New Testament. I want to speak real plainly here and say, though, that if we're spending time thinking about finding a better church, finding the perfect church, and willing to forsake our covenant with the body that we have here, It's not because we have a higher view of the church than Jesus. It's because your view is contradictory to Jesus' view. And that's tough. Our job should be in making sure that the wheat is built up. Not in finding the perfect church. Not to focus on the judgment of the wicked. Our job, like the disciples, is to be patient with the unbelief. Because we know judgment will be so frightening and so hard. Do we know that? I mean, really know that? That's one of the things that struck me as, as I was reading through this over and over again was, do we know that judgment will be frightening and hard? Do you have this image of a stand of wheat and the angel coming along and saying, you know what, while all the wheat is sitting there watching, I'm going to pluck 
the sons of the evil one away and let them watch them be burned, gathered, bound, and burned. It's hard for me. I mean, I got goosebumps just saying that just because it's one of those things that just is overwhelming. In your sight... We didn't experience the Passover. If I had, that would probably be more meaningful to me. We did not sit in town on our front porches looking to see who painted their doorposts and who didn't. And hear the screaming and the wailing and the gnashing of teeth as the angel of death came through. These reapers, they're not feathery, fluffy, white, gosling-looking angels. I can't find anywhere in the Bible where, they're, where somebody doesn't say when they see one that the angel doesn't then say, don't be afraid. There's a reason for that. I don't know what they look like exactly, but I think our depictions are off would be a nice way of putting it. There's a reason why they have to say, don't be afraid. And that fear is recognized even in Balaam's donkey. So know when we talk about this that it's going to be frightening and hard. How many of you are gardeners in here? Any gardeners? Gardeners? Here's my... Eli's a gardener. Um, One of of the things that I find in gardening is this, is you have two groups, really. There's the group that hates gardening because of the weeds. And then there's the group that loves gardening because of the produce. And what I want you to recognize in this parable is we see some of that. Part of this parable is for us as the sowers, as the ones to build up the wheat, our focus is not on the weeds. Our focus is on the building up of the kingdom. Our focus is on what it is that the kingdom is going to produce. Is Matt saying we should not have church discipline? No, I am not saying that. We should be broken by sin inside and outside the church. Jesus is just reminding us that our focus is on the building up. and not on the weeds. Is this saying, you should never weed your garden? No. Is this saying that when they planted their fields in biblical times, they never had any weeds? No. I think what is overwhelming to this group is just how many weeds there were. That they knew something was wrong. 
Anybody in here like me grew up hooking corn out of beans? Anybody do that? That was a good time. Does anybody do that anymore? <laughs> Blake does. <laughs> One of the reasons you do that is so you don't pull up all the beans. Because Blake could pull up a whole row. Finally, one of the things I want you to recognize in this is, and I think it's fairly simple um, and should jump off the page to us, is that the disciples went to Christ for answers. In this, they recognize the need to go to him for answers. How do we do that? We go to the Bible. We sit under godly preaching. We study. We consider our answers. We consider our thoughts. We surround ourselves with those people with which we can have those discussions. We attend a good Bible study. I invited you to our Sunday school class earlier. Um, I'm thankful for that group, and group, I thank you for uh, what you were willing to step up and do today. Um, like I said, I would invite you anytime. It's one of my joys of the week is to spend time with them in the mornings at, on Sundays at 9 o'clock. They're a blessing to me. And I want you guys to recognize that's one of the ways this parable teaches us to be as well. To gather together. To spend time in the Word together. This is so important in the church today. We have Christians all the time that are starting statements that start off with, my God would, or my God wouldn't, and usually that's your cue to run, okay? Um, if they've got God in a box, that's going to be a challenging discussion. The Word of God is the sole, infallible rule of faith and practice. It's not your ideas. You can't make it up as you go along. Scripture won't let you do that. Jesus says to the disciples, be patient. Tend to the wheat. Recognize the weeds. And plant the good seed. Today, we come together with the opportunity to recognize the wheat and the weeds. For each of us here, it's our job not to root out, but to build up. If you're here today and you don't know whether you're wheat or weeds, there's many people here that would love to have that conversation with you because they recognize just how devastating the reapers can be. Let's pray.
Lord, we thank you for your word. Uh, We thank you uh, that you are the good seed. Uh, We thank you for your kingdom um, that we look forward to that is pure and lovely and holy and righteous. We recognize, Lord, that things won't be perfect on this earth. That we do have wheat and weeds. Lord, we pray that you'd give us the strength to be sowers. We pray that you would just cultivate the ground. As Ryan talked about last week, that uh, that it might be accepting. That it might be fertile ground for your seed to grow. Lord, we pray that you would give us people around us that would surround us with a hedge of protection from the evil one, that we may not wither, that we may not be intertwined with the weeds. We pray that you give us strength to carry out your gospel, carry it to others as we go about this week. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Praise the one who paid my debt and raised this life up from the dead. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt and raised this life up from the dead. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt and raised this life up from the dead. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt and raised this life up from the dead. Jesus. Jesus paid it all, all to him I crimson stain he washed it white as snow thanks everybody and appreciate you being here today and and hopefully as you go about for many weeks into the future you can grab a hold of your quarter from time to time and feel the reading on it and recognize that were to be the wheat in the world. I've asked Isaiah to come forward and close us in prayer today. So, Isaiah, thank you. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day, and thank you for letting us come all under one roof together and worship, Lord. Thank you for giving Matt the word today, and uh, be with our Bosnian mission team as they are teaching others about you, Lord. And I pray that as we go all about our day today, that you keep us safe. In Jesus' name, amen. What is the gospel? It all begins with God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God created the first man, Adam, and the first woman, Eve, to rule over the garden. God told them they could eat from any tree that they wanted to in the garden except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Everything was perfect in the garden. They had a perfect relationship with the land, a perfect relationship with each other, a perfect relationship with God until they chose to rebel against God and eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And it brought about separation between them and God. Man has always tried to bridge the separation on his own terms and in his own strength. Whether it's building a ladder of morality and trying to be good enough for God, or even in the Old Testament example, when men built a tower into the heavens trying to reach God on their own. A more contemporary example comes from 1961, when the Russians were first successful in sending a man into outer space. Upon returning, the Russian cosmonaut remarked, we have been to space and we didn't find God or heaven there. A popular professor and author, C.S. Lewis, responded to the Russian cosmonaut. He said that looking for God in outer space is kind of like Hamlet, one of the characters in Shakespeare's plays, looking for Shakespeare in the attic of his home. Lewis said that for Hamlet to have a relationship with Shakespeare, Shakespeare would literally have to write himself into the story. That is the gospel. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. The gospel is the account of God writing himself into human history. Almost 2,000 years ago, the Bible says that Jesus, in fulfillment to Old Testament prophecies, was born of a virgin. Even as a child, he lived a perfect life. 
At the age of 30, he began his public ministry. He attracted followers. For three years, he taught, he healed, and he made bold claims, such as saying that he alone was the only way to God. The religious and political leaders did not like these teachings. They invoked a riot against Jesus. They brought about false accusations leading to a trial and to a sentencing of death by public crucifixion. The Bible says that while Jesus hung on the cross, that God placed all of the sin of all of mankind on Jesus. Jesus hung on the cross as our substitute. God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. They took Jesus down from the cross and they put him in a tomb. They rolled a large stone at the entrance of the tomb so no one could get in or out. There were Roman soldiers who were posted on guard to keep people from coming to take Jesus's body. But on the third day, according to scripture, he rose again. After being seen by many eyewitnesses and giving instruction to his followers, he ascended back into the heaven where he now sits at the right hand of God and serves as our advocate before the Father. So what does this have to do with you? The Bible says that we have all sinned and that we all fall short of God's standard of holiness. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. There is no way to get rid of the burden of sin on our own. God calls all men everywhere to believe in Christ, repent of sins, and trust Christ to live a new life. As we look back and believe in what God has done through the crucifixion, the burial, and the resurrection, as we repent and turn from our sins, as we trust Jesus as our Savior and Lord, we have peace with God and the forgiveness of sins. So let's review. It all begins with God. Because of our sin, we are separated from God. The gospel is the account of God writing himself into human history. Jesus died in our place for our sins and rose again on the third day. As we believe in Christ, repent from our sins, and trust Jesus for new life, we have peace with God and forgiveness of sins. That is the gospel. 